God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this Pentecost Sunday, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Young men and women join gangs for all the right reasons. They yearn for purpose, community, structure in their lives. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And at the same time, they want to be respected and feel needed by others in the gang. Now, some join gangs because they want to kill. Those people aside, others join gangs for the right reason, just not in the right place. And it's often because they believe they don't have any other options. In some ways, the human race hasn't changed very much since the days in our reading from Genesis. And let me tell you, this is going way back, all right? This account of the tower and the people being scattered is proto-history. It precedes the time of Moses by thousands of years, maybe more. And what's really neat about this little scene is it explains something specific about the world and why things are the way they are. Genesis doesn't always explain everything. But in these verses, it does answer the question as to why people spread across the globe and why we speak in different languages. Now, a cultural anthropologist or a linguist who doesn't believe the biblical account would find the Tower of Babel laughable. Their explanation is this is nothing other than the ancient Hebrew people's way to try and explain why the world has all these different peoples with their own language. For the Christian, however, our angle or approach to this account is, it really happened. It's a bizarre story, to be sure. But it's our story because it sets the groundwork for the calling of Abraham by God and the making of a great nation from which Jesus the Messiah would be born out of and adopt you and me into his family. But like us, see, the people of the land of Shinar all those years ago were looking for the right things in the wrong place. They wanted to be a community and stick together lest they be dispersed. That's what they said. They didn't want to be dispersed. They didn't want to keep moving and become more scattered. They wanted significance. They wanted to have meaning. Let us make a name for ourselves, they said. So they build a tower. Now, just on a side note here, we call this Babel, right? Or Babel, Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel. But uh, what's interesting is in the Hebrew, it's Babel. So if you want to pronounce this, if you want to say this accurately, the way they said it all those years ago, it's Babel, right? Somehow... I, and I don't want to bore you with all the mechanics, but you know, somehow in the translation into English uh, from the ancient texts, uh, someone didn't get that in the Hebrew, the B, the B sound can also, it's the same character for the V sound. And so they missed that little V and they came out with Babel. But so what, right? <laughs> what does it change? But Bavel, that's the name of the tower or the, what went on there. Now, we all wonder what this thing looked like, right? You know, how, could it, how high could this thing really have been? Well, compared to modern-day high-rises, it was probably pretty puny. Nevertheless, 
Countless illustrations through the ages exist to try and give us an idea of this earthly people's attempt to staying firmly put and to be something bigger than themselves. And you know what happens after the Tower of Babel, right? God scatters all these people across the globe, and generations later, he locates one of these descendants of these people, Abraham. And he will make Abraham significant. God will build a community from Abraham of people too numerous to count. Abraham won't build it with his own hands. God will do it. And it will come through Abraham's faith in God. And we have to come to grips with the fact that since all this happens at the hand of God, you know, it's his handiwork, this confusing of languages is a curse, similar to the one that God imposed on the world after he booted Adam and Eve out of their land. The world became difficult to manage and live in. Now, after Bavel, it's even harder to live in. People can't understand one another. Now, most of, all, most of us, if not all of us, have experienced at some point in our lives the result of this curse. Again, a language scholar would laugh at me for calling the world's languages a curse. Languages make the world a beautiful place and diverse, right? Yeah, right. Oh, God is diverse. He makes many different kinds of implications for human behavior. We're diverse in our sin. He's diverse in his consequences. Breaking up the original human language is but one of them. But a very significant one, especially on this day, Pentecost Sunday. Today is about God breaking down barriers. Barriers that he put up. The day of Pentecost, as we heard in Acts, is a lifting for a moment of the curse imposed at Bavel. Peter and the disciples preach and are heard in the languages of every one of their hearers in a language that speaks most clearly to them. In the last 10 years here, at least once a year, a young person in confirmation will ask me, Pastor, what language are we all going to speak in heaven? And I, I tell them, well, the Bible doesn't specifically say what language we'll be speaking, you know, like whether it's Hebrew or Greek or Latin or English, whatever. But the Bible does say that you and I will understand each other and we'll understand God and our hearts will be right with God and one another. In other words, you could... You come away from the Bible or the Scripture with the knowledge or impression that on the new earth, in the new heavens, cultural, racial, and national barriers aren't going to be a thing anymore. Those are former things of this world, and they won't apply there. And that's good news. If you're an international traveler and you know the world, you, you know the world can be a beautiful place, right? with its diverse peoples and cultures and all of that. But beyond its beauty is a darker reality that it's all because of sin that the world is this way. That the world has these languages and different national borders. God made people to fill the earth. 
But the people he made apparently didn't want to do that. So God caused them to do it with some consequences. At 22 years old, I had my own apartment in a very large city in Turkey. And one day I'm walking to the local bank to pay my electric bill, because that's where you, you do it there. And I find myself on a busy sidewalk crowded mostly with men. And I felt really out of place. My clothes, my looks, uh, I, don't, didn't look, I don't look anything like them. I couldn't communicate except for a few simple phrases. Everybody's staring at me as they walk by. You know, I felt like the whole world was closing in on me, and I almost panicked. Maybe you've had a similar experience in your travels. But looking back on it, all that is a result of the people of Babel. If the human race had obeyed God in the first place and believed Him and filled the earth, we'd be living in a much different world. We'd be speaking one language. Our cultures would be different. The land on which we live in would be different. But today is not about what ifs. We have sin. Sin has come into the world and we confess it and we desire to do, to do better. The good thing is God still loves us. The Holy Spirit still roams the earth searching out people to save. Languages are still confused, but the word of God has been translated into every language for all to hear, even the really obscure languages. The curse of Babel has been undone to a degree, but the ultimate curse of death as a consequence of sin has been lifted once and for all for all people. Life offered to all as a free gift given by the Holy Spirit and we get faith and all that it receives from God. Now, anybody know what hymn 87 is in the hymn book without looking first? Hymn 87. I'll give you a buck if you can figure, if you know it. I, you know, I shouldn't do that anymore. Um, you know, last week I said I'd give you 10 bucks for anybody who could find a, an amazement that the, in Mark that I didn't find. Well, sure enough, at the 1045 service, a 10-year-old kid comes up to me. What about this one, Pastor? As, uh, okay. I'm a man of my word, okay? But, him 87, do you know what it is? Who said that? Irv. Excellent. Joy to the world. All right. What's the, the third stanza? As far as the... Come on, Irv's the only one that knows joy to the world here. As far as the curse is found, right? Uh, goes that third stanza in Joy to the World. What curse do you think the author of that hymn has us sing about? Uh, yeah, the original curse in the garden with Adam and Eve, yeah. The curse that uh, uh, you're going to be booted out of here and the world is now going to become a very difficult place for you to live in. There's going to be thorns in the bushes, you're going to have to to find your own food, and not all of it's going to be edible and all that. That's the curse, okay? The original curse that plunges the world into a tailspin. That curse, and every curse since then, has been undone in Jesus. Even the odd curse of Babel. 
In Jesus, God restores a right relationship between you and God. He breaks down the barrier of sin, which once denied access to the Father and eternal life. That's been undone by Jesus' death and resurrection, and the Spirit who proceeds from Him gives you the gift of faith to trust in it and have it. It's playing out right now. You're hearing all this in your own language. A curse lifted so that you can hear and believe and live. You hear of love from God. Undeserved, incomprehensible in its magnitude, but not confusing. Instead, it's gentle, inviting, soothing. The Spirit speaks into our ears and lives in our hearts because God cares about His relationship with you. He made you for a purpose so that you would live with Him in everlasting peace, joy, and blessedness. And also that you would live out this love to others He made in a manner that's outlined on these banners. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. The results of faith. The consequences, if you will, of a curse lifted. We're not a gang of criminals anymore. That was our old way. Today we're gathered together by the Holy Spirit for all the right reasons and in the right place. We've been given each other. Made into a community to invite others into and grow. We've been given meaning and purpose by God who made us. We've been given an identity in our baptism. We were baptized by and into the Holy Spirit so that we would be His own. So we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are the body of Christ. We stand together as the church built not with our own hands, not to be a tower to reach God and make a name for ourselves, but to be a light to the whole world. May the Holy Spirit fill you with His love and ever-increasing clarity, understanding, and trust in His Word, which gives you eternal life. Amen.